0: Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Our scripture reading this morning on this day is taken from Mark's Gospel. It is the 14th chapter, beginning in verse 32. Listen for the word of God as it comes to us today. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John. And then Jesus began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. That's the word of God. It's for us, the people of God. We say together, thanks be to God. It may be a little strange for you in November to hear a story that we normally reserve for when? For Monday, Thursday, right? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the title of today's sermon is, I'm Overwhelmed. And so I thought we should read this, at the very least to be reminded that Jesus, who was God in the flesh was not spared from the feeling of being overwhelmed. Did you hear in the text what he felt? Distress? Agitation? Grief? Praying for a way out? I'm quite sure that all of you, every single person in this room, can identify with at least some of what Jesus felt in the garden. Sleepless, Afraid, at your wit's end, Jesus was overwhelmed, and we know a bit about what that feels like. Now, in case you're wondering what the I in the sermon title refers to, whether it refers to Jesus or to me or to you, the answer is yes. It's yes, it happens to all of us. Some of the days from this past year were as hard for me as I can remember, as hard as being a young dad with a child in the hospital. This past year, like some of you, it was hard for me to be a good parent, it was hard for me to be a good partner, and hard for me to do my job. I often couldn't see all of the good things that were still surrounding me. Reminded me of the old fisherman's prayer that inspired this photograph. Oh Lord, the sea is so wide and my boat is so small. I felt overwhelmed often this past year. And one irony, if there is any irony to be found, is that so many of us were experiencing exactly that same feeling of being alone and overwhelmed all at the same time. Now, you probably don't need data, right? You probably don't need data about our collective mental health to know that we are still living through an extraordinarily hard time, but it can be good to know for a fact that you're not alone. So let's throw up the statistics. Here are some of them. At any given time right now, two in five of us adults are experiencing significant mental health issues. That number jumps to three in five when you're talking just about young adults. Three in five. One in five of us is having more trouble sleeping. Now that's not just one in five of us having trouble sleeping, that's one in five having more trouble than usual sleeping. One in five having more trouble concentrating, one in five fighting more with a spouse, one in five drinking more alcohol than usual. Mental health is worse when we experience job loss, financial distress, and physical illness, which were extraordinarily common in this past year. One in two adults report that our kids are having mental health struggles, and one in five parents report that those problems among our children are serious. So I would say it's all serious. Mental health is health. When we are not mentally well, we are not well. Now Christianity, this extraordinary tradition that we are all a part of, has millennia of collective wisdom about the ups and downs of our human condition. Our tradition knows this experience of being overwhelmed by life. It's not brand new. We didn't invent it. If you've ever felt overwhelmed and found yourself reading the Psalms, you probably felt like someone was reading your journal. Here's one example, Psalm 55, my heart is in anguish within me, fear and trembling have come upon me and overwhelm me, and I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest, truly I would flee far away. Hands up if you wanted to fly away somewhere over the past year. Okay, that's what I thought. Here's another psalm. 102, my days pass away like smoke. My bones burn like a furnace. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. I'm too wasted to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I am like an owl of the wilderness, like a little owl of the waste places. I lie awake, I am like a lonely bird on the housetop. Reading your journal, right? Our tradition knows this experience of being overwhelmed by the realities of life. It also knows that there are ways through to strength and to peace of mind. Psalm 18 says, in the day of my calamity, the Lord was my support. God brought me out into a broad place. God delivered me because God delighted in me. I love that image. God brought me out into a broad place. That is an image of salvation. Before we talk about that broad place, and I will talk about it, let's talk a little bit about what to be overwhelmed. Like what is it? Like what causes this feeling? What helps us when we're in it to find our way through it? The first thing that I feel obligated to say this morning is that if you have felt overwhelmed in the past 18 months or if you feel overwhelmed by life right now that there is nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you. You are not weak. Life is hard. Say it with me, life is hard, hard. This year has been extra hard. If you are working a full-time job and also you are your child's primary teacher while they're home and you're managing a social isolation and anxiety and stress, that is hard, yes? Yes, it is hard. Fill in the blanks of all the things that you have had to manage over this past 18 months. It's hard. It didn't help that for much of that time we were watching this pathological narcissists trying to destroy democracy from inside the White House. We were watching the earth burn up around us. We're watching our 400-year-old affliction of white supremacy rise up again. That didn't help. Beyond the pandemic and beyond politics, there are big structural things that make many of us feel Overwhelmed. One criticism of our capitalist economy is that it dehumanizes us. It consistently puts profits ahead of people. Many of us find that we have to fight for things that should be guaranteed to every human being. A living wage, health care, time off. It's particularly hard to navigate this world. I don't have to tell more than half of you about this if you are a woman. For decades, women have worked not one but two jobs, one outside the home, one inside the home. One is paid, one is not. The decision to have a child can still derail a woman's career in a nation that refuses to make parental leave mandatory and refuses to provide childcare. Objectively, objectively, capitalism is designed to make us feel overwhelmed. So one solution to this feeling is organizing, political advocacy, workplace organizing so that our society will value us as human beings regardless of what we contribute to our employers. Now, I will say that when I was feeling so overwhelmed this past winter, the last thing I was in the mood for was political organizing. So we're gonna give that task to those of you who feel strong right now. That's your task if you feel empowered. Those of us who are feeling overwhelmed just need to figure out how to keep in the air all of the plates that we are spinning without having them crash down on top of us. How do we manage the things that we're holding without collapsing under their weight? One of the things that we can do If there are too many plates spinning in our lives, or if you're just holding too much, one of the things you can always do is stop. Let a few plates fall. Now, I don't say that lightly. That's hard, but sometimes we forget that we have agency in our lives. We are free beings. I'm sure you're aware that many, many people around you are making decisions to make huge changes in our lives during the pandemic. Lots of us left jobs. Some of us moved to new places or moved family members closer to us. Some of us ended relationships. All of those changes are huge changes. None of them makes everything better all at once. When a plate crashes to the floor, it makes a loud noise, and it's a mess. But the feeling of being overwhelmed often involves a loss of our sense of agency. You forget that you are still responsible for your life and its direction. You can make changes, even big changes, and sometimes change is what we need to find a life that is nourishing and not depleting. A change doesn't have to be big and visible for it to be meaningful. Sometimes the change that we need to feel ourselves again is small. A shifting of priorities. A shift in the way you organize your life. A shift in the way you spend your time, which, by the way, is also how you spend your life. We are allowed to take care of our own needs. You know that, right? We are allowed to make changes that allow our needs to be met. We have to do that. These days, we call this the practice of self-care. There's no better advice than any of us will ever get or give than get eight hours of sleep, eat good food, and move enough every day to sweat. Like those three things solve a lot of problems, amen? amen. Beyond that, practicing good self care can mean you choose to take the time to do things that you truly enjoy. Read a book, walk outside, take a hike, travel to see new things, even if you're traveling within a five-mile radius of your home. Make time to cook good food and then eat it slowly. Savor it. Do a puzzle. Play an instrument. Knit. Sing. Write. Play. Do something that immerses your whole being. Do anything, so long as you're not sitting alone in a room on your device doom-scrolling. Wendell Berry, the poet, advises us every day do something that won't compute. I'm a particular advocate when we feel overwhelmed for going in the direction of beauty. Go find something beautiful and listen to it or look at it, behold it. Beauty doesn't need anything from you except that you appreciate it. This stuff that I'm talking about, these actions that I'm talking about, get you closer to a sense of what self-care is really about. It is doing something that, that pulls you out of the urgency pulls you out of the crisis, manufactured or not, pulls you away from the myriad of voices that are out there that are telling you what they need from you. Self-care is letting yourself be drawn into a different rhythm of life, one that is slow and quiet and possibly eternal. Self-care is letting all the voices and scripts telling you what to do and who you are supposed to be, letting them go away until there is only one voice left, the voice within. Virginia read that poem this morning from Steve Garness Holmes. To me, it's very much a poem about self-care. He says, lose the book about who you are. Lose the script that tells you what to say. Lose the map. Lose the radio signal. Everything he says there is an invitation to go off the grid. And you know, right, that you can go off the grid without ever leaving home. Some people call it solitude. Some people call it prayer. In that space, he says, you can look up and discover this place, the place where you are, green and thriving, spreading out from you into the world. What a lovely invitation to be where you are, to observe the beauty that is every day all around you. Listen to the voice that already knows who you are. There's one more thing that you can do when life feels like it is too much for you to bear alone. And that is, do not bear it alone. Reach out and tell someone, share it with someone, share what's going on inside of you with someone and then tell someone else and then share it again with somebody else. Because even though it feels like it in the moment, the truth is you are not alone. You are never alone. That is how God made you. It's how God made all of us. God made us so that each of us belongs to each other. We are always here for each other, always. The writer Ijioma Aluo, in a wonderful essay suggests that we might be better served if we replace the idea of self-care with the idea of community care. Self-care, she writes, especially the capitalist notion that sells us things so that we can feel better about ourselves. Self-care, she says, feeds the illusion that we are isolated, autonomous beings, feeds the illusion that the only one who will ever look out for us is us. That's not true. She goes on to write about all the ways over the last 18 months that she has received great care from other people, but she's just as grateful for the chance to reciprocate that care, to let others lean on her, to share money, to exchange encouraging phone calls and text messages, to be a part of meal trains when someone gets sick. She writes this, Community care creates the environment in which we all can thrive. Community care reminds me time and time again that I'm never alone and I always have reason for hope. The experience of being overwhelmed is at least as old as the Psalms, probably older. It was familiar to Jesus and it's probably not going away anytime soon. I want you to remember that no matter how overwhelmed you feel, you are never without your agency. You always can make changes. And you can always resist the systems that dehumanize you and transform them. You can always throw away the scripts and the maps that have led you astray, and you can always take time in quiet to listen to that divine voice that calls you by name and guides your feet from within. And you always belong to a community of care that will bear your burdens when you are weakest and lets you be there for others when you are strong. We've heard a lot about the feeling of being overwhelmed over these last 18 months and I'm sure we're all looking forward to a time and it's coming, I know it's coming, I still believe it's coming. There will be a time when the basics of life will not feel so overwhelming. But I'll close by reminding you this morning that there are at least two ways that the word overwhelmed gets used in scripture. One is the way that we've been talking about, the overwhelmed that feels like we are alone and powerless. But there is a second kind of being overwhelmed and It's the kind of being overwhelmed that was experienced by the people who stood there and heard Jesus unroll the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and proclaim there is good news for those who are poor and there is release for those who are captive and it happens today. They were overwhelmed. This kind of being overwhelmed was experienced by the the folks who heard Jesus speak the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are meek and merciful. Scripture says they were overwhelmed when they heard those words. The disciples, Scripture says, were overwhelmed when they were in the boat and there was a storm on the water raging around them and Jesus stood up and said, Be still, and the waters were still. They were overwhelmed. And Scripture says that there were three women who showed up early in the morning and they found an empty tomb and they were overwhelmed. So remember that there is a wideness in God's mercy. There is a kindness in God's justice. There is an incomparable joy when you feel yourself gathered in by a love that is more powerful than anything else in all of creation. And when you know that love has you and holds you, the only word to describe that feeling is overwhelmed. So may we all be overwhelmed today and every day Let the Church say, Amen.